The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, All-Star Game is over, folks. Yes, sir. It's time for us to move forward. We are going to break down the good, the bad, the ugly. Speaking of ugly, Nate McMillan gets fired. Another one bites the dust. Uh, Atlanta is now looking for a new head coach, and Russ and Kevin Love also changed teams. Just over 20 games left in the regular season, Nick, so do me a favor and drop that generic ass beat. This extravaganza in Salt Lake City, Utah has come and gone. Uh, everybody's take pretty much from the game is that it stunk. I also thought it stunk. I thought, uh, what are you going to really ask for when there's multiple stars that are out for injuries and that there's injury reserves and all of these things, considering that it is just a game. It is not just a game. It's an exhibition game. Let's be honest. Uh, I listed players who 100% would phone it in, and every single one of them did. Nikola Jokic had four points. Luka had four points. Do I hate on them for not trying? No. Like, Luka sometimes needs a break, okay? He wanted to go to Mexico, and he went to your little event, and he played, okay? He showed up. Better than you can say for Trey Young. It is a great opportunity for late nights, hanging out with other superstars. It is like an NBA convention, That's basically what it is. It's like a trade show for the NBA and people who are around the NBA. The fact that there's fans there uh, and that there's a TV event that's basically subsidizing this little party, uh, they do not care about the person or people responsible for subsidizing their party. They just want to party. I do not also buy into the fact that the ratings were so bad that they're going to hurt the league in the next round of the media negotiations. That is bullshit. That is absolute poppycock. The All-Star game is not... It is not the cornerstone of a season. And it took a back seat to the trade deadline, which is, if we're being honest, what's even more important than the All-Star game. 
so yeah, the game wasn't fun to watch. People had ideas about how to fix it. I also have ideas, as usual, about how to fix things. One of my ideas went viral a few days ago. My tweet was this, the only way to fix the All-Star game. You pit the U.S. versus the rest of the world and see them duke it out like Hunger Games. Think about it. Team USA, who's on that team? You got Steph, LeBron has to start, Kevin Durant, Tatum, AD. That's like pretty standard starting five. And then for the bench, you've got Jaw, uh, Jalen Brown, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Kyrie Ant, De'Aaron Fox, Kawhi, Jared Allen. So that's my, that's my all-star team for the U.S. And then Team World, man, this is a squad. You got Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You got Luka Doncic. You got Giannis and Bede and Jokic. My God. Then on the, off the bench, you got Damanis Sabonis, Markinen, Ben Matherin, Pascal Siakam, Andrew Wiggins, Rudy Gobert, Jamal Murray, OG Ananobi, Josh Giddy, Franz Wagner, DeAndre Ayton from the Caribbean, Kristaps Porzingis, Jeremy Sohan, Steven Adams. Come on now. Come on now. I think at that point you'd have to put it in a city where there was nothing else to do but, but hoop. It would be, have to be a separate week. There is zero chance that Luka and Jokic would mail it in if it meant that they were fighting for their country. They were fighting to say that the world was better than America. They've got competitive nature running through their veins, and you know what they don't want to do is to make it seem like America is the only thing that matters. They played internationally. This is an international fit. Easy fix, Adam. Easy. I'm, I am giving Adam Silver a multi-billion dollar idea for free. So just do it. 15 American All-Stars, 15 non-American All-Stars. Winning team gets bragging rights for the year. Make it a whole thing. This is the only chance that you have. As for the rest of the All-Star weekend, it was pretty good. Not a lot. Except for the skills competition. That shit's got to go. We got to have some sort of substitute for what that was. Uh, it's confusing. It's on the wrong night. There's no drama. I honestly don't know who thought watching the Antetokounmpo brothers throw bounce passes into a tire would make for great TV. Like, I don't know why we wanted Team Utah other than the fact that they were in Utah. There needs to be another replacement for this. Also... The celebrity basketball game, I don't know about that either. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I'm even slightly optimistic is because I am hoping that someday maybe I can play in it. That's the only reason is I can get on TV just to play basketball. Other than that, I could take it or leave it. The Rising Stars game, that was probably the best thing that we saw besides maybe the dunk contest. Jose Alvarado was being mic'd up the entire time, which was great. He gets the MVP after him and Donovan Mitchell go back and forth. He makes a bet with Donovan Mitchell that he was going to hit a game winner, and that was pretty fun. You got to see G-leaguers like Scoot come out and play some basketball. Again, in the All-Star game, you could have had Victor Wambiyama play right now. Would have been very interesting, wouldn't it? And, like, listen – you got to see the G League play and realize why they're not in the league yet. Let's be honest. You got a while to go. You're like fresh chicken out of the pack. You know what I mean? You're still a little wet behind the ears. We got to put a little 
seasoning on you. We got to put a little uh, just marinade. You got to marinate in the bag a little bit more, Scoot, before you play in the NBA. The three-point contest was, for me, a highlight. I did predict that Damian Lillard was going to win it because he went to Weber State. That's not why I loved it, even though that was a nice little piece of indication. But lots of guys were struggling. And I love to see pros struggle in any sport. Tyler Hero looked not like a hero. Kevin Herter looked like he had no business being in that contest. Julius Randle looked like he snuck in to the tournament. He did. It was so painful. His son cried and then booed him. It was so bad. That's not even a joke that happened. Tyrese Halliburton, which his shooting stroke I understand why scouts were like, I'm not sure if this kid can can do it. But he can. He can really shoot. Tyrese Halliburton set a record with 31 points in the first round, and his little hitch was so ugly. I don't even know how he makes shots, honestly. I don't, I don't know how he does it. It takes so long to get the ball. It's almost like there's a glitch in the system, you know? And he's trying to re-get the the system to work smooth. Um, but it was all day time, man. He came out, crushed it. Uh, he lit through the final rack to win his first three-point contest. Then he rolled off into the sunset. He's done. He's never probably doing it again. He wanted one for the resume. We'll probably never see him back. And then, and then a quick little question I have for people who make these little cute T-shirts and sweatshirts and stuff. How come there weren't any parody shirts made that I could have bought that said, uh, 2023 NBA All-Star S-L-U-T. Like Salt Lake City, Utah. Slut. Like that should have been an easy thing for the people on the internet to do. But they didn't. But they didn't. And then finally the dunk contest was awesome. No one on earth wanted to watch the dunk contest and it ended up being an electric factory. It's been so bad for so many years outside of the Zach Levine an Aaron Gordon contest that we were just making fun of Mac McClung before we even saw Mac McClung. And you know what? He single-handedly saved the dunk contest. And now they want to know if he'll play uh, in the dunk contest for his entire life. Like, hey, that's what you do now. You come out and we know your name. We know what you look like. Uh, we've seen your face. We're happy with you in here now. And now you have to come back every year. And so I think he will. But the question remains. Stephen A. Smith talked about this, which is wild. People are asking why the dunk contest doesn't have major stars in it anymore. Stephen A. thinks LeBron killed it because LeBron didn't do it. Now all the other stars are following suit, so he ruined it himself. His one decision set the dominoes off. But people are now asking everyone, hey, dunk contest is kind of fun. Are you going to enter it next year? They asked Jaw. They asked Aunt Edwards, you can scratch Aunt Edwards off of your thoughts about him being in the dunk contest. Why? Well, listen to what he had to say. Now, Reggie Miller and a lot of guys want to know, could you possibly get in a dunk contest one of these years? Nope, nope. Come on, and stop playing. <laughs> nope, I just like dunking on people, man. Oh, you heard that, Reggie? like dunking on people. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I just like dunking on people. Ditto for Ja Morant. These guys want to be dunking in game. They want to fly down the lane. They want to stuff the basketball down your throat. They want to embarrass who's ever standing there. They want to posterize you. They want to demolish 
your ego, put it into a little package, wrap it up in a bow, and take your ego home with them and put it onto their nightstand. That's what they want to do. If there's nobody standing underneath the rim, what fun is it really to dunk if you're someone like John Rant and Aunt Edwards? I actually kind of get that. Everything else is kind of like a fake dunk. A real dunk is what you do in a game when you murder somebody. The rest is kind of pageantry. Frankly, far more interested in seeing that than I am watching the dunk contest. But those McClung dunks were sick, and he's probably going to end up being our little poster child for the dunk contest for the next 15 years, so good for him. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The big news. This week in the league, we got some tea now. We got some things happening. We got some butts that are hot. And the butts that are hot finally now get the boot. Uh, Nate McMillan fired in Atlanta. So I have a history with Nate. Uh, He coached the Blazers for a really long time. I had to watch those ugly offenses for I don't even know how many years. It was too many. Uh, They walked the ball up the court. Like you had to walk it to half court. That was his mandate. Uh, and that was just what they did. Had one of the slowest paces in the NBA. But what happened to Atlanta? Let's talk about that. Because that's what's important. And it's not, in my opinion, Nate's fault. In fact, I think he has adapted much better to the new NBA than I thought he would ever would. The yeah, problem is he got stuck with Trey Young. That's, that's what it is. He got stuck in Atlanta. He had a really incredible run based around some luck and some help and some skill, and they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, which they never were ever going to do again, and then they hired him. They hired an interim head coach that maybe was going to work with Trey Young, maybe not. And we talked about this before. Atlanta fired one of the most respected NBA executives in the league in Travis Slank, and they brought in the owner's 20-year-old son. As a little, as my mom would say, a little nepotiz at work. And so, what you thought? What you thought they weren't going to fire Nate McMillan? Come on now, this firing is no shock. But what I did think was surprising uh, is that they have been trying to push Nate McMillan out the door, encouraging him to resign on his own for weeks now. And Nate was like, "Nah, dog, you're going to have to, you're going to have to put me under the guillotine and show the world that you axed me yourself." 
I am not about to do you the pleasure where it's like a mutual parting of ways. I am exposing the dysfunction in this franchise. Go ahead, fire me after you just fired Lloyd Pierce two years ago. Do it again. Show the rest of the world what's going on. Show the Quinn Snyders of the world what kind of organization you are. And you kind of get a sense of what happened from John Collins because John Collins said, uh, yeah, Nate would have been a good coach, a great coach for a, quote, more mature team. And so people want to read that as older. And I don't, I don't think that means older. I think that means more mature. You know, like how there's uh, old souls and young souls. Like I believe Trey Young is a young soul. I think he's going to be 35 doing this bullshit. I think we can pretty definitively say now that Trey Young is a coach killer. He could be considered a certified coach killer. He has a shiv in his back pocket at all times. And you know what? He's killed more coaches at this stage in the NBA than Hall of Fame coach killers have so far. He is now working on his third head coach interim and then a new one. And he's going to be a coach killer from now until the end of his career unless, unless something drastic happens. I don't know. So look at his track record. He's now had two coaches fired in three years, both that he had personal conflict with right his team has gotten progressively worse since the surprise run to the eastern conference finals he had beef with nate this year and everybody knew that anonymous sources within the hawks claim that the majority of players actually sided with nate in their season-long dispute and so you usually don't see players side with management over a teammate so now what does that mean that means that uh trey young is unpopular with coaches and unpopular with teammates not not a great combo so the question is who is the new regime that 27 year old nick wrestler and his best friend landry fields are tasked with trying to keep this shit from sinking and and who are these people let's look at the crop of candidates we've got some that we need to discuss quinn snyder quinn snyder they are working on having discussions as we speak. And Quinn Snyder, as you know, former coach of the Utah Jazz. And so at first glance, this might seem like a perfect fit. Trey Young is his new Donovan Mitchell. Capella and John Collins can play like Rudy Gobert, except for less lobs in Utah, obviously, because Donovan Mitchell wasn't giving any to Rudy Gobert. But remember, Mike Conley was. That team was first in the West. That team had a historically good offense. I think they were the number one overall offense in the league. They had shooters surrounding uh, their guards. But let's be clear. Number one, that Utah team was not a success. That team's style does not benefit in the modern NBA. Uh, This is a wing-driven league, not a guard-driven league anymore. And this is not going to work in one of the most dysfunctional places in the NBA, which is Atlanta. I do not think that Quinn Snyder will want to build a team around Trey Young and his bullshit. And I do not think he will build a team that cohesively works with Trey Young. Not because he's a bad coach. He's not. He's a good coach. Not because he can't make the roster work and the skill sets on the team work. But this guy, Quinn Snyder, rumored, and you may say, oh, this is not important. This is not an important fact. I think it is. Quinn Snyder is rumored to be the type of, of coach that – has seating charts on his bus, has a very strict style of leadership, 
close to what Lloyd Pierce and Nate McMillan had. Do you believe that Trey Young will like someone who has seating charts on the bus? I do not think he will respond well to that. This has rebuild written all over it. And if Quinn Snyder is smart, he will stay all the way away. Moving on to Charles Lee. Charles Lee, well-respected Bucks assistant. He's going to get a job soon. This could be it. This might be it. He's known as a player's coach. He's worked really well with superstars, which is very important on this Atlanta Hawks team. He's an ego manager. Giannis, Drew, Chris Middleton. So he knows how to do that. And let's be real. Like, this is probably the best fit for a very thankless job. He's going to be fired in two years at best. He's going to be on the payroll at the same time as Nate and Lloyd are and probably whoever follows him as a successor. So why not, Charles Lee? Why not? He's got to start somewhere. Uh, next up is Jordy Fernandez. Jordy Fernandez shows you how far the Kings have come. Assistant for the Sacramento Kings. Finally getting some love. I don't think I've seen a team try to poach an assistant off the Kings in my lifetime. So that just shows you how good. Nobody's like, hey, how do I get a little of that juice that the Sacramento Kings have? How do I steal a little piece of what the Kings are doing? Now, that is the case. That is just another sign the Kings are on the rise. Other franchises trying to take a little bit of your pixie dust and try to reconfigure that magic on their team he is a really great coach all that you need to know about him is that when he filled in for Mike Brown the entire team rallied around him they celebrated him like it was game seven of the finals they were they had champagne they had goggles they were spraying them like it was the Gatorade I mean the whole thing screams respect Speaking of respect, next up on this list of candidates is Kenny Atkinson. We know him from his uh, brief time as the Nets head coach before Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving killed him, uh, currently a Warriors assistant. He took the job for the Charlotte Hornets for like, I think 11 minutes, maybe 12. He woke up out of a panic and said, oh, no, baby, I can't take this job. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. I got to go. I'm going back to the Bay. My, mo- my mom, my family, whoever he said was there. Oh, it's a business family decision, and we love Santa Cruz, whatever. He is too smart to hitch his wagon to being on the verge of a glue factory. Kenny Atkinson knows what it's like to be on a team where you could be cut and discarded at any given time. Do you think he wants to do that? No. I would be shocked if Kenny Atkinson even agrees to interview for this dick-ass job. This situation could be worse than the Hornets job. At least the Hornets job you know is a rebuild. They think they're better than a rebuild. That's the crazy thing. I think there are a lot of other jobs that Kenny Atkinson would be suited for. Mitch Johnson, Miles Simon, just a couple of randoms that you got to throw in there. Johnson uh, is one of Popovich's assistants in San Antonio, and I think it's like mandated anytime you have a new opening, you just have to interview a San Antonio Spurs assistant because I don't know why. I just That's just how it goes. And then Miles Simons, uh, who coaches the South Bay Lakers of the G League, I'm not even sure why his name is bringing up. Like the regular Lakers, I don't even think you would want to interview uh, for the job in terms of those coaches. So I don't think he has any shot. And then we've got a dark horse, people. Ime Udoka 
Come on down. Come on down. Ime Udoka. Dark Horse. I would love nothing more than Ime Udoka to get this job. There's not even any joke in that. I think he would be the best person for this job. I think he is the only coach who could fix this team defensively. I think it would be phenomenal. He would destroy Trey Young in the media. He would tell you everything that was going on. Like, can you imagine when Trey Young didn't show up to the game, what Ime Udoka would have said about him to the media? And Trey Young would be like, ah, oh, it's my personal business. I keep my private business to myself. No, no, baby. Not with Ime Udoka. He knows what it's like to have his business out on the street. And this is all about the game right now. He would see two practices of Trey Young not playing defense, doing his bullshit, not getting John Collins involved, just icing out teammates. And you know what? He would say it. Trey Young needs to pass the ball more. He needs to play some defense. His demeanor is perfect for a young team. He won't get the job because politics, I guess, but it would be highly entertaining if he did. And also from the Hawks perspective, and maybe they're not even thinking about this because I don't think they're particularly smart. What do I know? Do we really trust Ime Udoka to just be in a city like Atlanta all the time where there's like more strip clubs per capita than anywhere else? It's like, it's popping in Atlanta. The opportunities for mischief are high. The big question though, is who does Trey Young prefer? I guess that's the only question worth asking at this point because Atlanta seems committed to keep Trey Young happy for God knows why reasons. You will never guess, though, who Trey Young wants. Just guess. Just guess. It's really funny. If you had to guess the most funny place, the most funny coach that Trey Young would be clamoring for in the most subtweet 13-year-old boy kind of way, who would it be? Think about it. Think about it. Coach who has no idea what he's doing. Think about that. A coach who gives no accountability to his players. A coach that does not run practices at all. A coach that wants you to throw up 30 footers with 10 seconds into a shot clock. Max. No, not D'Antoni. I know that's where you were going. How about D'Antoni's next iteration? His next little robot. Steve Nash, people. No joke. No joke. Trey Young on the wake of, how did he even get this jersey, by the way? In the wake of Nate McMillan's firing, he posts a photo to his fucking Instagram with a Steve Nash jersey on. An old school Phoenix Suns Steve Nash jersey, and I don't even know what to say. First of all, the fact that he had that waiting to take that photo like an angsty girl right outside of Claire's is crazy. It's crazy. But it's also funny. I think there's no more perfect combination than those two. It's kind of like, I don't know. He, he's on strike right now, Trey Young, for personal reasons, not coming to practices or games. But, like, he's perfect. He's perfect. Trey Young needs this kind of coach or wants this kind of coach. Steve Nash is the substitute teacher of coaches. That's, that's what he is. He like, shows up and he's like, so I'm reading this roll call. Is, is John Collins here? Anybody seen John Collins? Does John Collins still go to this school? Yeah, we don't know either. We don't know either. What about uh, Client Client Capilla? Is Client Capilla here? That's 
That's Steve Nash right before practice. He doesn't know who's who, where anybody's at. Remember when all that Harden shit was going down? He's like, I haven't even talked to James Harden. <laughs> Remember when all the Kyrie thing went down? He's like, I haven't even spoke to Kyrie. People are like, do you not have their number? Or do they not call you back? Do they not answer? What is your deal, Steve Nash? And now you got a 27-year-old signing checks down in Atlanta. I honestly see this happening. I think it happens. I think it happens. If it does, better believe I'm getting Hawks season tickets. I might move to Atlanta. I might be a new Atlanta Hawks beat reporter. I need it. I need it. Those two together, peas and carrots. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I guess we got to talk about Russ, right? He's taken the buyout from the Utah Jazz. He signed with Los Angeles again. Yeah, shocking. Works out great uh, for him from a personal standpoint because we know that he did not want to live anywhere else. He brought his family out there. He's got his friends out there. That's the only reason he went to the Lakers to begin with. He now has the perfect spot for him. He doesn't have to move. He doesn't have to do anything. He gets to play alongside Kawhi. Gets to play by who, by the way, kind of screwed him over. He gets to play with Paul George, who, let's be real, Paul George had some of his best basketball with Russell Westbrook, and he was stumping and lobbying for Russ to be on this team. So that's good for Russ. Good for Russ. Number one, good for Russ. Number two, is it good for anyone else? I don't know. I don't know. I have concerns. Like, why is Russell Westbrook more skilled at more things right now in his career than John Wall? Are kind of similar. Like the John Wall minutes with Kawhi Leonard, which we'll get to in a second because I have the facts, weren't good. He doesn't shoot as well as Reggie Jackson. What is this pairing? I don't know. I'm going to, because I love Ty Lue, suspend judgment until I see how it goes. I need to call Jerry West and figure out what is happening. I forgot all about that. We need to find out what is happening. Ty Lue, though, is one of the most underrated coaches in the league. If anyone on earth could make this work, I think it's him. First up, Zach Lowe said this on his podcast. The Russell Westbrook Ty Lue talked about yesterday. He's going to have the ball in his hands. He's Mr. Triple-Double. Those comments, frankly, shocked me. And if that's their vision for what he's going to be, this qualifies as one of the 
biggest late-season gambles in the history of the NBA. Zach Lowe's facts. That is right. And then here's another thing that people always say, too. Russell Westbrook's come off the ball before. If, if I hear that another fucking time, they are trying to gaslight us. We have seen it year after year after year, and yet we keep hearing Russell Westbrook can play off ball. What is Russell Westbrook going to do off ball besides just stand there in the corner? What is he going to do? What is he going to do? Is he going to move without the ball? People tell me that he knows how. People tell me that he can. I don't think so. But Ty Lue has pushed all of his chips into the middle. It is, to me, fascinating. People are banging on the Clippers for trading Reggie Jackson and John Wall. But the stats, really, they were, they were a disaster. They were Reggie Jackson or Wall, when paired with either Kawhi or Paul George, had the highest net rating of any of those combos was plus one. And the lowest was negative 10. Keep in mind, Kawhi and Paul George together have a net rating of plus 10. So they needed to do something. Terrence Mann, they were already doing. They get Eric Gordon, which that helps them a ton, I believe. But then you say, well, we're buying Russ. I mean, we're getting Russ on like nothing. So we might as well see. If he's classic triple-double Russ or six-man-of-the-year Russ, it can't be worse than John Wall, right? Can't be worse than Reggie Jackson, right? And they're right. John, John Wall was a disaster. He was fucking terrible. And Russell Westbrook as six-man-of-the-year was incredible this year. And it shows us now we are going to see. This is where the rubber hits the road. The number one thing that this is going to do is tell us, Tyloo, what you got? What are you made of? Are you elite like we know you are? Or have you been blessed with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and Nick Batum? I'm joking about Nick Batum. Uh, <laughs> but the Russ experiment is going to show us everything that we need to know. If you can make Russ work on this team, Ty Lue, you are going to be a legend, not just in L.A., not just in the NBA, but it also will make the Clippers the most dangerous team in the West. Yes, I said it. Moving on. A little tea for the fans. Um, I love the tea. I love Kevin Love tea. The whole, the whole Kevin Love saga in Cleveland has been many years long, and it has now come to a close, which I think is a little sad because you were just wondering when it was going to bubble and boil over like it did a couple of years ago. Uh, the biggest name on the buyout market next to Russ, he has exited stage south, South Beach. He is now a Miami Heat. I thought Kevin Love and Rubio were tight. thought that was the reason that Rubio came back to the Cavs, actually. Guess not. Uh, things change fast. It tells you everything you need to know about any organization is that all of a sudden, four months later after you make a move, like shit can go sideways quick. On the surface, the exit, the uh, breakup that they supposedly had was a love affair. Flowery posts, IG reels, I love you, I love you, no, I love you more, kiss, kiss, kiss. You mean so much to me. No, you mean more to me. Kevin said he'll never forget all the memories he made in Cleveland. He'll always have love in the heart of the city. Yada, 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 right? Happy ending? Happy ending? No, not so fast. Kevin Love and the Cavs, apparently, according to new reporting, might not be as friendly as they are pretending to be. Rumors out of Cleveland say that the Cavs were like, we got to get this guy out of here. 
we are motivated to make something happen uh, and doing something that they had no interest in doing before, which is buying out his enormous contract. So why is that? Well, according to this reporting, they were worried Kevin Love was going to go apeshit, basically, like he has done in the past. Do you remember Kevin Love at Kevin Love's peak of anger with the Cleveland Cavaliers organization? Do you remember when he chucked the ball at his teammate during an actual game? Do you remember when he was in a game and refused to shoot even when wide open for an entire regular season game? Do you remember that? That was really funny. Do you remember he just like, he would be in the corner wide open and then he would just pass? Do you remember he, he passed to no one and like just like literally just a lane violation when they were down four points and they ended up losing the game? Or what about all the times that he went after Colin Sexton? Do you remember that? Like that year was bad. That Colin Sexton year was a, a, a bad one. So they were afraid of that Kevin Love. Like, not kissy, kissy, Ricky Rubio, Love Fest, corner three, Kevin Love. No, they were worried about salty, end of the bench, rotation, going nowhere, Kevin Love. And they informed him, hey, we know you sprained your finger or thumb. Um, yeah, you're not going to be on the floor for the rest of the year now. We've got some young guns. Uh, we've got things too good going on to be messing up the vibe, to be, uh, you know, ain't no love in the heart of the city kind of thing. Ain't no love in the heart of the basketball court. And so there he was like, well, you got to get me the fuck up out of here then. So off he goes to Miami. He is now going to be playing probably next game. And the T is like a jaded X after all those flowery posts and reels and whatever, when no one was looking in the dark of the night, Kevin Love posted Drake lyrics on his Instagram. These grown men doing little girl things is like my favorite part of the NBA. Like this, there's a couple of these in this episode, but who posts Drake lyrics to your Instagram unless you're LeBron James, honestly. Unless you're LeBron James, you can't really do that without me just burning you up. So he posts this, tables turn, bridges burn, you live and learn. Whew, tell you what, doesn't sound like it was all hearts and flowers. Kevin Love better be on his best behavior in Miami. The heat don't play when it comes to heat culture. You can, you can fight, you can yell, you can throw a ball, but you better not throw a, a massage gun or you're going to be fucking out in San Antonio on your ass. Added to that, uh, Kevin Love said that Miami has breathed new life into him. So I, I want to see the Cavs play the heat in the, in the playoffs. I can't wait. And as for the Cavs, they asked Jared Allen, like, hey, um, did you know Kevin Love had been bought out? And he says, I was not aware. I was told he was going for milk and cigarettes, and he just never came back. Perfect description of the end of the Kevin Love era in Cleveland. That's all the time that we have for this episode of the Heat Check. Check back Monday for an all-new episode. We've got an all-new interview that I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it's going to be a fire one. And do not forget to watch the feed for past episodes and interviews, bonus episodes. They drop unexpectedly throughout the week. Please follow us on this Heat Check as the 2022-2023 NBA season heads towards the playoffs. Man, this season's going by fast. Download, subscribe, please tell your friends, and follow us on social at this heat check and at Tristan Crick on TikTok because the heat check never sleeps, even after the trade deadline, even when your girl has norovirus and doing the episode from the crib. Yes, sir, stomach flu happening this very second. But for you, the pod continues. We'll see you next time, knuckleheads.